0: You are listening to Agent Court Church's audio podcast. For more information on Agent Court Church, including service times, how to connect, and campus locations, please visit our website at onechurch.to. Well, Esther and I, my wife and I, are just back from our 39 and three-quarterth wedding anniversary trip to Ireland. Yeah, I can't wait. No, no! I can't wait to see what Esther's got planned for our 40th. This, because this was so good. We had a great trip to Ireland, and because my injured back protesteth much if I sit down for a long time, it wasn't time for a bus or a rental car. We let someone else do the driving. We took a cruise, and uh, well, well, let me just tell you a few pictures. Here's Esther getting in the boat. <laughs> so, yeah, and then. Uh, Actually, that was a boat that was used by some people that did bad things to the Irish, as they did to other people in our history. There's actually the boat. That's the back of my head, getting on the boat there. And uh, we were looking for ancestors. Do you see the name up there, Mulligan? You know, we saw Armitage Sinks. There's, There's what some of my ancestors looked like. Do you see the family resemblance? And then I was in the towns looking for them. Esther was out in the country looking for them. We couldn't find them. But we did see what it would have looked like for them when they had the last glimpse of Ireland before they came to Canada, Quebec more specifically uh, in the 1800s. So, so why am I telling you about our trip to Ireland? Because, because although it was a great and meaningful trip, it did involve some route resets. Never forget the disappointment of the captain coming on the uh, speaker in the early morning and saying, it's so stormy in uh, Belfast the port's been closed down we won't be able to go there and so another day at at sea and I I remember another time we went into Cork where southern Ireland where my people would have come from on that boat heading out into the water and uh, the 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 shore excursion the trip was cancelled but it turned out pretty good because we ended up on two other trips that were very very insightful and helpful and then how many have been on a cruise before because we... No? Yeah, okay, well, two, all two of us have been on a cruise. Anyway, th- th- it, was, it was... If you've been on a cruise, you know, or one of those resort things, uh, you know, what happened is when we came back to Toronto, I think someone did... We faced another reset, is what I'm trying to tell you, because when we went into our condo, obviously, someone had uh, reset the uh, weight scales. You know, <laughs> obviously. So anyway, so... <clears throat> So we're talking about root resets, and uh, listen, watch this. If there's an area of your life, maybe God's been talking to you about something that Pastor Jonathan's been teaching about in the last few weeks, or it's another area of your life, and you know that if you changed, your life would be a whole lot more blessed of God. It would you be so you and other people better off. You need to do a root reset. One of the ways to get help is to go to the Bible and find verses about it. Definitely. There's another way to, do, to add to that, and that is to go into the Bible and find someone who faced a very similar situation, and they were successful, and learn from them. That's what we're going to do today. You know you can learn from Joseph, Ruth, Esther. Oh, can you learn a lot from Esther. You can you can you can go to uh, like we're going to to today to Moses, Elijah and the Apostle Paul. Three entirely different root resets. Matter of fact, I was up on the plane at 30,000 feet and I thought I was working on this message and I was thinking, you know, one of them actually was this. God saying, "No." And the guy said, "No." Did I get that backwards? I got my Merzwick stuff. I'm just making sure that, you know, you're still tracking with me because I've been away for a couple of weeks and I know you've been listening to Pastor John. I just want you to make that. Anyway, God says go, we say. May that be the last time you say that to God. (laughs) Then there's another way. And that's where we say, so, so. And God says, grow. It's another reset we're going to see. And that's where God says, no, and we say, oh, or, uh. Eh? <laughs> Let, let's look at the first one. God says, go, we say, I told you not to say that. <laughs> but it is what Moses said. God comes to Moses uh, 40 years after he fled for his life from Egypt, and God says, I want you to go back to Egypt, and, and Moses says, no. Here it is in Exodus. So now God says, go, I am sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. Remember the slavery they'd been in. To bring them to the promised land as he'd promised Abraham. Why does he say no? Because he tried this, he'd been there, done that, and failed. He tried to be the champion of his people and and see justice happen in a situation because although he grew up as the adopted uh, son of, of Pharaoh's daughter he was raised by his daycare worker who was his birth mother you can read about her in Exodus and she made sure his birth mother made sure that Moses knew that his ancestry was not Egyptian it was not Irish that it was Jewish he was that nation that God had raised up through Abraham So that through them, all nations of the world would be blessed with the arrival of the Messiah Jesus, Yeshua, someday. And so so when he grew up, and one day he's out there, and he saw an Egyptian taskmaster beaten on one of his own people, and he went over there, the Bible says he looked this way, and he looked that And then he murdered the Egyptian taskmaster that was beating one of his people and he buried him in the Egyptian sand. The problem was, you know, it was much like today, someone's there with their iPhone. (laughs) Recording the whole thing, sends it as an attachment to Pharaoh, and then Moses ends up running for his life. You can read about it in Exodus, all except the iPhone part. Anyway. (laughs) (laughs) The problem was that when God came to Moses and said, I want you to go, Moses remembered, i I, I got to stay away from Egypt. No, I'm not going back there. And, 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 and he begins to be reassured by God. God's so patient with uh, Moses. Moses has a case of the I can'ts. He says, I can't because what if they don't like me? God says, well, then tell them I sent you to them. I can't talk good. My mouth doesn't work right. God says, who made your mouth? I can't talk. What if they won't listen to me? Okay, here's a few miracles you can do. And Moses runs completely out of I can'ts, and he's still saying no. And he says, please send someone else. Send Aaron. You know, here am I, send he." he. He runs out. And it's at that point, I don't know what this looked like, because the Bible doesn't tell us what it looks like, but it's at that point that God gave Moses a root reset. It says it this way in Exodus, the anger of the Lord burned against Moses. He obviously gave Moses a jolt, a correction, because he, 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 he disciplines those he loves to get them on the right track for their future. Moses is sort of like the guy Joe who was a long-time employee at this company that was offered a new benefit. But, in order for all of the employees to have this benefit, it required 100% participation. And the employees were quite pleased about this new benefit, but Joe would not sign on. The deadline uh, was coming up, and everybody tried to persuade Joe. Uh, finally, when the day before the deadline, the boss called Joe into his office, and he said, here's the paper, I want you to sign it. He said, you know, you actually, you, I want you to work here, you've been a great employee, but if you don't sign this, you're fired. And so Joe pulled it over, picked up the pen, signed it without hesitation. The boss is sort of floundering, what, 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 flustered, what, 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 what? He says, well, he says, no one ever explained it to me that clearly before. You know, sometimes God just does something because he wants us to get it. He just wants us to hear with clarity. That's exactly what... But you know what the reality is? This isn't the last time that Moses fails. He fails as a murderer, fails saying no to God. It, it, it was the beginning of a whole series of failures. He, Moses had identity issues, insecurity issues, anger issues. And they just sort of... But, you know, to his credit, Every time he has a conversation with God, like in a service like this, every time he's challenged to do it God's way, he does a root reset, and he does it God's way. Every time. And all of us in this room, how how many have caught a case of the I can'ts in your life? We say, God, I can't. You know, I tried it. I can't. Or or we decide we're going to do what we know the Bible says, and we go out there, we determine. Maybe we pray in a room like this. Maybe it's during the reset series. Remember we started with the, the, the boundary is love? You don't need a lot of rules and regulations and do's and don'ts if you love God and love people, because if you love God, you're not going to want to do anything that hurts God. You're going to want to do what pleases God. And if you love people, you're not going to steal from them, lie to them, commit adultery with them. You're not going to covet what they have because you love them, which means you want God's best for them. Maybe you were here for that teaching and you left here saying, I'm going to be ruled by love this week. And Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday went well, but Thursday you defaulted back to the old pattern. See, I can't. I can't do this, God. Maybe it was uh, uh, Father's Day when Pastor Jonathan talked about uh, blame. And, and, and own your own blame so that you can shift it. And, and you tried to do that, but then you ended up going out and a few days went by and you found yourself back in the old pattern of blaming people. Maybe it was about building margin in your life by asking what and who is most important. And that worked great until the alarm went off Monday morning. And you lost that margin. <laughs> You went out, lost your margin, forgot your boundaries, and blamed Pastor Jonathan for teaching about it. (laughs) See, what's the worst thing we can do when we fall? I think it's to say no to God. How many know he knows what's best and he loves us the most? That's a combo you never say no to. The best we can do, I think, is just keep doing root resets until we get ourselves on the root that God wants us in. The root of blessing. And where we bless others that's the best that we can do one of the descriptions of the christian life i love because people make a big thing about is this: is one new beginning someone said the christian life is a series of new beginnings you grow as a disciple, you keep changing, you keep growing, you keep making root resets in your life. So I think, uh, I was thinking about probably about 30,000 feet, I thought what would be a tweet that Moses would say to us in 2018 if he was looking back on his entire life, what would he tweet to us about root resets? One, one I thought of was this, when you lose, don't lose the lesson. That would have been a good tweet, but here's the one I think that maybe, and maybe you've heard this one before, I, I think he would have said this. Failure is not falling down. Failure is falling down and not getting up again. There was this high school uh, student that got a job for the summer, but it involved wearing a uniform, and it also, you know, the, the, the mall where he worked in the store involved going around with this store where a lot of, you know what I mean, The cool guys from high school would hang out, just stand around and hang out, self-assigned cool, but they'd hang out there. And, and, and he'd have to walk by them in his uniform, and, and he just got used to it. He'd be walking by, and they'd mock him and jeer him a bit, and then one day, he, he, he was walking by, heading to work, and there were some of those guys again, and, and he was just trying to get by them without them seeing, and then he does uh, exactly what he would not have wanted to happen. He, he trips on the curb and falls flat on his face, and of course, they're mocking and they're laughing. He gets up, and he's dusting himself off, and, he, and you know what he says? He says, That's all right. You guys will never fall because you're never going anywhere. Yeah. Dear one, when you're following Jesus, you're trying to see things go better in your life and you want to be more like Jesus and you want to live for him. Listen to me. It means when you get out there in that new territory, sometimes you will stumble and fall. But be encouraged, you stumble and fall because you are going somewhere. You are becoming more and more like your, your hero, Jesus Christ. And when you fall down, don't get up and say, see, I can't, I can't do this. I can't be a good Christian in this area. No, no, you get up and you say, I can do all things through him who gives me the strength. Aren't you glad that Jesus always pays the the bill for what he orders? Always does. He doesn't ask us to do something in the Christian life without giving us the strength to do it. Do you see that? So when he asked you to do a root reset, how many know he's there for you every step of the way, just like he was for Moses? However many times he stumbles and falls, he gets back up again. I can do all things through Christ who gives me the strength. How many need you to reset yourself? Reset number two. We say, so, and God says, grow. What do you know about Elijah? I think the top news story of Elijah, if you look at his life, had to be the showdown on Mount Carmel with the false prophets of Baal. I mean, it's humorous, it's dynamic, it's miraculous. It's just God just sort of shows who really is. It's just, it's just a very triumphant story. But it's the way he stood up to the intimidations of King Ahab and Queen Jezebel, too. And remember, he pray, he's the one that prayed that prayer that ended a three-year drought in the land. Which brings up a question. What was Elijah eating and drinking if the drought is on the whole land? Where is he getting his food and water from? Well, let's read about it. The word of the Lord came to Elijah, leave here, turn eastward and hide in the Kereth Ravine, east of the Jordan. You will drink from the, and I have directed the, ravens to supply you with food there. The ravens brought him bread and meat in the morning, and bread and meat in the evening, and he drank from the brook. Wow! I mean, that's like being on a cruise ship. You just sit there and they keep bringing the food. And he drinks from the... It's just all right there. Oh, God, you're my provider. This is great. Just sit back and God just takes care. Just free delivery, everything. This is just wonderful. Next verse, please. Sometime later, say it with me. The brook dried up. Hmm. Because there had been no rain in the land. That's the point where Elijah says... So, 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 like God, you—if you led me to this place and said you would provide for me here—why is the book dried up? Maybe I'm just stand here and say, God, make the river flow again. Doesn't happen. God. What's going on? Have you ever had that happen? You, maybe your community group or Christian friends are praying with you about getting a job, and, and finally you get that job, and then, and then you get laid off. You pray about transportation, and then, oh, there's the car, and oh, and then you get into an accident. You finally have this one really good, trustworthy Christian friend who supports you, and then they move. You're healthy, and then you're not healthy. You see, Elijah can say, God, you promised and you brought me to this place. I experienced your provision here. I did. If I did this according to your word, then why is this happening in my life? Sometimes it's sudden, sometimes it's like a sudden loss. Where did that come from, God? or an accident, or a tragedy. Sometimes it's gradual. It's much like it was for Elijah, where the brook is down to a trickle, but he can still get his cup in there and get a glass of water, and then he goes out one day, and he he can't even get a drop of water from the brook. So, God, I was obeying you. I was doing what you said. Is this where it gets me? But watch what happens when Elijah gets past, just continues to trust the Lord, all right? 1 Kings 17, God says, go at once to Zarephath in the region of Sidon and stay there. I have directed a widow there to supply you with food. And so uh, she does, and I'm jumping ahead in the story here. So she went away and did as Elijah told her. So there was food every day for Elijah and for the woman and her family. For the jar of flour was not used up and the jug of oil did not run dry in keeping with the word of the Lord spoken by Elijah. Throughout the drought, throughout the famine, there was always food on the table. How many know that was a miracle? But do you see what's happening here? Do you see what's happening here? You see, if God led you to a place and answered prayer and provided something for you, and then that provision stopped, listen to me, that does not mean that God has stopped providing. It means he's going to provide for you in a different way. <laughs> Do you see that? This is where some Christians get stuck. You know, but, but the, 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 the Christian life is not just a series of new beginnings. The Christian life is like life in Canada. We get all the seasons. And sometimes within the seasons, there's changes that we have to adapt to. And God will never allow you and me to get stuck in one season. He won't allow us to get stagnant. God will never allow us to get to a place where trusting him is not a fresh experience. So, so, so don't settle for what God did in the past at the brook trust him walk with him get to a place where he does something fresh and new where he provides for you in a different way listen if you're stuck at the brook here today and you're standing there god let it flow again just like it used to if, if that's you today i want to say to you something that will sort of help you get your root reset and that is this Get your eyes off the brook experience that the Lord did for you in the past. He's not only the God of your past, he's the God of your present and future. And that brook is not your provider, God is your provider. And he wants to, if you'll trust him and you'll do a root reset, he'll get you into a place spiritually where you will see God flow through your life more than that brook ever did flow through your life and watch what happens for Elijah God is not at the brook was providing just for Elijah God got Elijah to a place where a whole family is able to have food to eat during the famine because he obeyed God trusted him and went to a new place there is nothing more thrilling in your life than to, than to get beyond God you're there for me to a place where you say God I'm there for you and I'm there for other people and God flows through your life, and he not only blesses you, but you see how he uses your life to be a blessing to others. Do you see that? So I, I was thinking, what would he tweet? You know, I was flying in the plane, getting this outline ready. I'm thinking, what would, what would Elijah tweet? And I, I thought he could have tweeted this. When God closes a door, he opens a window. But I was on a plane at 30,000 feet, so I didn't think that was a good one. Anyway. Anyway. I think this is what he would have said the destination not the road conditions determines whether or not we are going in the right direction it's the destination how many are in some don't put up your hand how many are in some tough road conditions right now that's all right in this world you will have tribulation but be of good cheer Jesus says I have overcome the world See, it's not those road conditions. You just keep doing the right thing. You just keep trusting God, even if the brook's dried up, and how many know he'll get you to a new place because he wants to see us grow. He wants to see us grow on in him. All right, third, entirely different reason for a reset in our lives. This is where God says no, and we say, oh, huh? The Apostle Paul provides this illustration for us in his journey with Jesus, because he had just, he'd come back from a great outreach trip where a lot of people, like those being baptized today, their lives have been transformed by Jesus. And he, he says to Barnabas, He says, sometime later, Paul said to Barnabas, let's go back and visit the believers in all the towns where we preach the word of the Lord and see how they're doing because we don't just make, you know, we're here to make disciples, help people grow. And that's a great plan. How many understand this was a God-honoring, scripturally obedient plan that Paul had in mind? And Paul goes for it until he is suddenly and totally, unexpectedly hit with a route reset that was not his decision. He starts out in one direction, ends up going in an entirely different direction. He goes across the Aegean Sea into, listen to me, Philippi, and then comes back to headquarters in Jerusalem through Ephesus. Ever heard of Philippians and Ephesians? How did he get there? Through this route reset. This is how it happened. It wasn't through a personal failure like Moses had that God had to reset him. It wasn't that the outreach missions department funds dried up for Paul. No, it wasn't that. This time it's God that's saying no. Has God ever said no to you? Why does he say no? Well, the apostle Paul sure doesn't know. But watch this. He has a dream one night where God gives him a vision. Remember the man from Macedonia in Greece? He has this dream, all right? The vision of a man from Macedonia standing and begging him, come over to Macedonia and help us. So Paul has this vision. And so he makes a conclusion. After seeing the vision, we got ready at once to leave for Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. So what happens? What happens when it gets there? Now, the Spirit of God had said no to them. Let's, let's go back to those, those slides. I want us to notice something here. When they came to the border of Mysia, now this is where Paul, this good God-honoring, uh, scripturally obedient plan, he's going there. They tried to enter Bithynia, but the, say it with me, the Spirit of Jesus would not allow them to. Hmm. So they passed by Mysia and went down to Troas. And then that's where he had that dream. And he realized, Jesus, you want me to take the good news of the gospel into Greece. And you know what? That was how the good news of Jesus first entered the continent of Europe. By going to Philippi. And then into what is now present-day Turkey, the area of Ephesus. That's how it happened. Have you ever had the spirit of Jesus not allow you to do something? This is, this is a, a very unusual kind of reset that we don't think of too often. Have you ever had, you know, you go to do something, maybe even planning on it and it's good, it's God-honoring, it's scripturally obedient, but you go to do it and then it's just like you've got that reservation. There's that check in your spirit. You just can't get a piece about it. You go to make a decision and, and, and it all looks right, except, except something's wrong, something's wrong here. Can't put my finger on it, but something's wrong here. Have you ever gone to make a purchase or to follow a plan that has been all lined up and thought through? Have you ever been offered a promotion in a job? And, and it should be exciting, but there's just something stopping you. Now, watch this. It has nothing to do with fear of going to a new place, it has nothing to do with the martyr complex. Have you ever heard Christians, well, if it's something good, it can't be of God? You know what I mean? It's not that kind of a reservation. But it's just every time you pray about it, it's just like, do not proceed. Just something that's not right about that. I, I remember when I uh, went to Bible college, and I went to a wonderful Bible college and great preparation for in theology and Christology and pneumatology. It was just a wonderful experience. But I really sensed a peace about going on for further education after that while I was working at a... Uh, as an assistant pastor part-time at a church here in Scarborough. And I was told about this brand-new Christian university that was opening up in northern Scarborough. And, uh, I mean, it just... Listen, they, they gave me almost full credits for my Bible college. I'd get my degree very, very quickly. Um, it would cost me a lot less. It was a lot lot closer in terms of transportation time. And people were telling me that was the way to go. The only problem was that every time I went to pray about it, I could not get peace. Couldn't get peace? I had a real sense of peace about going to McMaster University in Hamilton, even though there were some extra barriers and, and costs involved. And it would take longer to get the degree. But as I've told people, Uh, If you fast-forward a few years, I've told people right up to this day, I'm so thankful for my Bible college education, but it was at university where I learned to listen to the world that I'd be reaching out to as a pastor. And understanding there's multiple religions, multiple faiths, and all kinds, and people with absolutely no faith. And I learned so much of how what I had learned about Jesus that there was no one like Jesus. How many of the world has many religions, but it only has one Savior? And I, and I learned that. I learned that. And my confidence level in Jesus went way up. As, as, I, as I heard the, the, the various comparisons by way of religion and philosophies and sociology and psychology and anthropology and all those courses I took. He just helped me understand. And I just thank God for that privilege of going to that university and what I became because of that. It wasn't about the degree. It was what I learned. But it all happened because the Spirit of Jesus would not let me go to where it looked like I should go. You see, I meet people out in the lobby all the time, and they're saying, oh, Pastor Keith, pray with me. Pastor Jonathan, pray with me. We're, we're, we're facing this big decision. You know, we got this job promotion offered, or this could be a relocation involved, or we, we don't know whether to go to this school or that school, or a, a, some guy says, I got 15 girls after me, and I don't know which one. You know, just all these decisions out in the lobby that people want us to just give them the instant answer to, you know, and, and, or a business decision, I'm facing this in the office. You know, here's what I give them, three quick words. Surrender, sensible, and smile. They all start with S. I'm going to have you say them out loud together with me now, just to help you remember them next time you make a big decision. All right? First of all? Yeah. Okay. Surrender. You do not have the will of God for a decision in your life until you come to a place where you say, God, not what I want, but what you want. I surrender. It doesn't mean that God's not going to give you what you feel you should have in your heart that you he he how many you know he gives us the desires of our heart if we delight ourselves in the lord so we need to start with delighting ourselves just saying god you know what i want and i'm going to proceed in that direction but god more than i want what i want i want what you want for my life you come to a place of surrender what's the second one sensible You get sensible about it. You pull out a computer program or a piece of paper and put down the pros and cons, and then you weight them because some things are more important than others to consider. For instance, what's the impact this decision would have on the people I'm responsible for? If you have children, teenagers, if you have a spouse, you need to have that kind of, you know, consideration. What's best for them? Something a lot of people never think of. They just relocate, and they never even think, what kind of church are we going to go to when we get there? Do you know what I'm saying? You have to be sensible. You have to prioritize. Not just where is this next decision that looks so good going to take me short-term, but where is it going to take me long-term? How many know it may not be the best long-term career choice? What's the best for the long-term? How has God gifted me? How has he talented me? Does this line up with that? You just be sensible about these sorts of things. Where can I be the best witness for Jesus? In this next chapter. So you you have you have first of all surrender, and then secondly you are, and then third, smile. smile. That's the peace of God. The peace of God. Esther and I were pastoring in Ottawa and we used to say to one another, one place that we'll never move to to raise our children, especially when they get to be teenagers, and that's Toronto. We used to just say that. It wasn't anything against. We'd both lived here, and Esther had grown up here, and it's just something that we just thought we were being sensible about. And, and uh, we also used to pray and say, Lord, wouldn't it be great if at least for some season of our lives, our boys could be within driving distance, you know, within visiting distance to their grandparents who lived in British Columbia? Because they, they, they had such a positive spiritual and life mentoring kind of influence. We just knew that would be so good for our boys. And so, uh, when churches called me to see if I would be their pastor from British Columbia, I I, I wasn't always sensible. (laughs) But I would come to a place of surrender. And I remember this one church in particular, we almost went because, listen, the senior pastor who had resigned from the church phoned me up and said, you're the man, you need to be the next pastor here. And he gave his reasons met with the search committee and they, they, after meeting, they said, you know, we we believe that you're to come. We'd like to extend the official invitation. But when I'd say, you know, I kept going on, like, give me a few more days to pray about it. Because every time I pray, I didn't have a peace. And then they'd call again, you know. And I remember the last phone call we had, Uh, Here's what he said. I wrote it down. He says, the search committee, our pastoral search committee, met with the board and we decided unanimously that we are not going any further in our search until you say yes. No pressure, but you know, this is, you know, that church still doesn't have a pastor. No, I'm just joking. (laughs) But I had to explain to them, thank you, I'm honored, humbled, but the Spirit of Jesus is not letting me go because in God's will, he didn't want us to go to BC. He wanted us to come to APC. <laughs> Turn the reins over to Pastor Jonathan. Church, go into its greatest days ahead. How many know God knows what he's doing? But you have to come to a place of surrender. You have to be sensible. And then you have to look for the what of Jesus? The smile of Jesus, the peace. Surrender, sensible, and Smile. So so what are you facing? Is it like a failure like Moses and you just say, I can't, God? Or is it like the Apostle Paul and you're just standing there by some dried up brook saying, why, God, did this happen? You answer that before I move on with you. Or are you trying to do something and make something happen, but it does not have the peace of God? Maybe you're saying no. Maybe you're saying so. Or maybe you're saying, oh. I want to encourage you to do a root reset, I want to promise you that if you do, you'll end up saying not no, so, or oh, you'll end up saying, whoa. Look how God rerouted me when I reset my trust in him. You ready to do some resets? Upstairs to answer, let's just pray and know that God sees our lives, our hearts, as if we were the only one talking to him. Let's just pray about this together. God, thank you that you're on our side and just as interested in every one of us in this room, wherever we're seated, just like you were for Moses when he failed and Elijah when he was confused and Paul when the Spirit put him on hold. Thank you for caring enough about us today to say go, to say grow. Thank you for caring enough about us to sometimes say no. We trust you to know more about us and about what's right for the future. We trust your, your providential loving care for us. We lean not upon our own understanding. We trust you in all of our ways. So God, I pray for those in the room that are doing root resets. I pray for those that are honestly, they felt like giving up on doing something where you said go. Some area of their life where they just said, well, I, just, I can't. I pray they'll just leave here saying, I, I'm just going to keep at this till I get it. God's going to give me, Jesus is going to give me the strength. I can do this because Christ is giving me the strength. I pray for those that are confused. They're wondering why the brook's dried up. I pray that they would just decide now. I'm doing a root reset. I'm going to choose to trust you at a whole new level, Lord. I'm going to see you provide in a new way. It may be a year, two years Maybe further out, and maybe next week, but I'm gonna trust you, Lord, to provide in a new way. And let's pray for those who are experiencing and know from the Spirit. You're not looking for it, but you just sense a real reservation in your spirit that you need to pause until you have peace. You need to stay until you have that smile. Lord, every one of us in this room are experiencing some kind of an area of our life that can do with a root reset. It'll, it'll be for the better. And when, when, when we're here and we respond to you, Lord, we want to respond just like, uh, just like Paul told the church in Philippi to respond, to not be anxious about it. But in every one of those situations, with prayer, petition, and with thanksgiving, because we trust you, Lord, to present our request to you. And Lord, I pray that the peace of God that transcends all understanding would guard our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. So Lord, in this room today in Toronto, we choose to say yes to you. We choose to grow in you. And we choose to look for your smile (laughs) because we can trust you, Lord, with all of our ways all of our needs for Root Resets. We can trust you with all of them because you're never going to let us down. You're never. And Lord, that makes us want to say, so we're going we're gonna to stick at this Root Reset. We're going to grow in the grace and knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ until we, we, we get this area of our life happening in a way that pleases you. But thank you, Lord, that you're not going to give up on us. You're going to help us get there. You never, ever, ever let go of us. Make sure you don't miss a message by subscribing to this podcast. All creative content and production for this podcast is provided by the One Church Creative Team.